0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at ActsChurchLeander.com.
1: Today is from the classic Christmas text from Revelation chapter 12. So uh, you can turn to your Bibles or, or look up on the screen for those words there. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown on the 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain. As she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given to the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and time and a half out of the serpent's reach. Then from her, his mouth, The serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and swept her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus.
0: Glorious. Sometimes I think the elders believe I'm trying to punk them with the Bible readings. It's like, no, no, not really. It's Christmas. We're not dragons. It's Christmas, Josh. Come on, we're better than that. Uh, but no, uh, we are about to engage in my favorite Christmas text. Uh, but I'd ask you guys to pray with me before we get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God who moves in wondrous and beautiful ways. Lord, as we continue to look at the nativity and the story of your son coming to earth, the advent, of the Messiah. Lord, we pray that you again speak truth into our lives, Lord, that we leave forgiven, we leave empowered, and we leave challenged uh, to be agents of peace and reconciliation. Lord, we say this all in your son's very precious name. Amen. So we are in the series called The Nativity. We've been focusing on how the word nativity comes from the word native, to be of a region, to be a native whether American or from native from a different country. But that's where the word nativity comes from, and we're looking at the different characters in the nativity scene, right? And we've all seen the nativities. They've got the animals, and they've got the shepherds, and they've got Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus. Well, today we're going to be focusing on the angels. And what's interesting about the angels is we actually see them in two separate parts of the nativity story. We see them in Luke where the angels show up to the shepherds, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but we actually see what's happening in Jesus' birth through the angels' perspective in the reading that we started with today from Revelation 12. And that's what we're going to be focusing on, because it's from that perspective that all of a sudden the nativity story moves from being purely a hallmark movie story Right? And there's nothing wrong with Hallmark movies. Sometimes they're great. They're good for the soul, right? But we can kind of just leave Jesus in this baby form. And what happens in Revelation 12, from the angel's perspective, you realize how much more cosmic, how much more grand, how much more powerful this advent of a Messiah of a baby boy is to the angel's perspective. But before we do that, we got to refresh ourselves on some terms, a few months ago, we talked about the genre of revelation, of apocalyptic imagery. And this is how we defined apocalyptic imagery for the New Testament. We said apocalyptic imagery involves vivid metaphors and poetic languages, which enable the writer to connect and hopefully the reader, that's us, to understand the significance within God's reality of events. That happen within our own earthly space, time, and matter. All right, that's kind of a complicated definition, but in short, it says that God uses poetic language to teach spiritual truths and to give us an insight into the heavenly perspective of what God is doing here on earth. That's what happens in Revelation. And what we see in Revelation 12 is very clearly that God is retelling the story of Jesus through a heavenly or angelic perspective. Not just what we saw here on earth, not just what we saw physically, but what was happening spiritually at the birth of Jesus, right? Right? And what's really clear early on in Revelation 12 is this is not a earthly battle or an earthly war that's happening. This isn't a battle between countries. It's not like America and Canada have gone to war with one another. No, we get angels and demons. We get this cosmic battle that is taking place. And Revelation tells the story of how Jesus intersects with that battle and how his birth changes the end game of the war. And we see this in uh, in Ephesians 6, where Paul is writing to the church, and he says this He says, For we, the church, are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul is saying to the church, We're in a cosmic battle, we are in a spiritual battle. And Jesus came to end the spiritual battle. So walk with me through this. Revelation 12 begins, and it says, A great sign appeared in heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now again, remember, poetic language. And when you are in Scripture... Old Testament or New Testament, 12 is a very big number. In fact, it is a massive number symbolically throughout Scripture because there were 12 tribes of the people of God. And so what John is writing, what John is describing, he says, this woman who represents the 12 tribes is about to give birth, right? He is literally retelling the story and the birth of Jesus, And it's going to become really clear if the 12 tribes wasn't symbolic enough. He goes on and he says this. It says, Its tail swept a a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so it might devour the child the moment he was born. Okay, we could still be in symbolic. Maybe he's not talking about Jesus until she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. There is only one child, one birth foretold in Scripture that talks about one man ruling the world, and that is the coming of Jesus. It's very clear in Revelation 12 that we are seeing the birth of Jesus through the angelic eyes and understanding what God is doing through and for humanity in the birth of Jesus. But it also becomes really clear that Satan is going to go to great lengths to stop this birth from happening. Now remember how the nativity story goes, right? We talked about last week the angels come to Mary and to Joseph. They saying, hey, you're going to have this immaculate conception. You're going to have a boy. We're going to call him Jesus because he will save God's people. That's what Jesus means, God saves, right? And then there's the census and they have to trek off to Bethlehem. And then the Magi show up. Do you remember the other character in the Magi story? King Herod. And they come to King Herod, the king of Israel at the time, and they say, hey, we hear a new king is being born. And Herod, he's not into this new king. He likes being king, and so he devises a plan. He tells the Magi, go say hi to the king for me, give him my best, and then come back so I can personally make the trip. But what we find is he has ulterior motives. The story in Matthew 2 says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. The story goes, from an earthly perspective, The king tries to kill all the children. He's trying to wipe out this prince of peace, this ruler, before his rule begins. But what we find in Revelation 12 was there was a spiritual battle going on. This dragon, this serpent, who's later going to be called Satan, he is doing everything he can to stop the birth and the life of Jesus. The question is why? What's so important about this child? And we're going to find out what this child is able to do in the war between heaven and hell. Revelation 12 goes on and it says, "...and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared to her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days." When the dragon saw that he had had been hurled down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given two wings of an eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. See, God had a plan. God knew how important this boy was going to be. And so he put a plan in motion to protect the boy. And again, this aligns with the story we have in what we traditionally consider the narrative. So Herod is going to go and he's going to kill all these baby boys. God warns Joseph. He says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. and He said, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Are you seeing how the story is aligning? We have this physical reality of what's happening here on earth, and you have the spiritual reality of heaven, this war that is waged over this one child that's going to be born, that has come. Well, why? What's so big? Why is this nativity so important? Well, Revelation 12 describes the war, and it says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough. He lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Satan's name comes from the Hebrew word, and it means the accuser. The story of Scripture, from a spiritual perspective, is a cosmic spiritual war that had been going on for millennia. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. God is fighting a creation that is in rebellion. God created the world to be good. He created creation to work together. He created man and woman to shepherd his creation. But humanity had our own idea of what was right, our own idea of what was wrong. And so after God creates us, we tell him, actually, we think we'd rather be God. We'd do a better job than you would. And so we rebel against creation, and all of a sudden, literally all hell breaks loose. All of a sudden... There is a war, and there is a problem. It's not that God doesn't want to end the war. It's not even that God can't end the war. This isn't a stalemate. This isn't like God doesn't have the power or the strength to defeat the demons. The problem is, his kids are in the crossfire. The problem is, God's children, his sons and his daughters, rebelled, and so they're on the wrong side. And so if God goes through with his smiting job... Well, you and I deserve to be smited because we were in rebellion, because we had chosen to say, God, we'd rather have our own way than your way. And that hurt, that evil, put us on the wrong side of the war. So God needed to find a way to bring his kids back to redeem his children, to give them grace and peace, and to put them on his side. And that is the story of Jesus. Again, Revelation 12, it goes on. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser, remember that's Satan, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Satan was up there saying, you can't touch me because then you have to go after God's kids. You can't touch me because they're just as guilty as I am. They're just as broken as I am. They're in the rebellion. So what does God say? They triumphed, the children of God triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. God had a way to end the war. God had a way to bring his children back And so we could defeat evil once and for all. And that is the story of the nativity. That is why God says, name him Jesus. God saves, because this was God's restoration plan. This was his plan to end the strife and the hurt and the brokenness of sin. This insidious disease that separates us from God, that separates us from each other, and that separates us from God's creation. Said so Jesus saves, He's going to fix that. He's going to be able to put an end to the war. And that's why when the angels show up to the shepherds, they sing of peace. How does the scripture go? Matthew 2 says, But the angel said to them, the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host. This is the army of God. This is the SWAT team. This are the Navy SEALs. These are the ones who fight demons. Don't think white robes, little choir boys. Think soldiers who are dirty and bloodied and who have been fighting the cosmic battle of creation for millennia. And this army shows up, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to those his favor rests. The angels, the army of God is singing about peace because Jesus showed up. This is their D-Day, right? This is the day in World War II where the troops show up in Normandy, and it's not the end of the battle, right? When the the troops show up, that's not the end. No, they still have to go to war, but it's the beginning of the end. For the angels, the birth of Jesus is the beginning of the end of the war. This cosmic battle that God has been playing ever since sin got introduced, ever since the brokenness and the hurt and the betrayal, this is God's endgame. And his endgame is about peace. It's about reconciliation. It's about being on God's side and then bringing his love and his peace and his strength to a broken world. Because quite frankly, our world doesn't need a Hallmark movie right now. Our world's more broken. Our communities are more broken than that. Our families are more broken than that. It's deeper, it's more insidious. Sin has got its way way too often. And when you look at it from a cosmic perspective, you realize oh, maybe there is something deeper in the hurt of our families, in the hurt of our lives. And Revelation 12 tells us yeah, there is, but there is hope. There is a God who comes to bring peace and joy. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church and he says, and since you have been so loved, you are now agents and ambassadors of reconciliation. He says the war is over. God found a way to put down the weapons. But while the war, the big victory has been achieved, the battle still goes on. And so Revelation 12 ends with this. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman. And went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to the testimony about Jesus. The war is over, but skirmishes and battles still happen. And again, we see that every day. And so the reality of the Nativity, the reality of the birth of Jesus, is a God who is saying, I have come to bring peace but we still have to go. We still have to be willing to say, here I am, send me. I'll go to those dark places. I'll have those hard conversations. I'll be the ambassador of reconciliation in the name of Christ that has the power to put an end to this spiritual cosmic battle that we still play out in smaller scales in our families, in our communities, and in our world. And the reason why we have confidence to do that is because of Christ. It's because of a God who says, my name is God saves, and you will call me Prince of Peace. You will call me Mighty God. You will call me Wonderful Counsel you will call me both Savior and friend. And because we have that WMD in our pocket, we go into these dark places of the world with confidence, with love, with joy, and with peace. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, a good God who fights for us, Lord, who like a father or mother when a child is enraged and angry and pounding on their chest and being little brats. Lord, when we're being little brats, you wrap your arms around us and you say you love us and you forgive us and you fight for us and you care for us. And so, Father, Lord, we come before you both in honest confession that we need a God who saves. We still need the blood of the Lamb to wash us clean. But, Father, also a God who says, I love you, I forgive you, and I have a plan for you. Lord, we pray that as we leave here today, as we encounter, encounter those dark bastions of evil that are still out there, Lord, that we go empowered by your Spirit. Lord, that we can be that light to the world. Lord, that the power of your Son would draw us closer to you. Say says all in your Son's precious name. Amen.